Welcome to the Rise Method podcast where we make fitness information available to everyone. I'm Steve, let's jump in. So before we get started with this podcast, just for some context, this audio is actually from a live video that was broadcast to our Facebook group. So there might be some awkward pauses and times where we're waiting for questions. So um, if you want to go actually watch that video, you can head on over to our Facebook community group. So just type in Rise Method Community Hub and you can actually watch the live video as it comes out uh, or you can just tune in and listen to it now. Enjoy. Hey guys, Steve here and welcome to this week's live question and answer where I'll be able to answer any of your questions live. So the theme of today is I'm going to take you through how to build lean and toned arms. And the reason why is that many of us, you know, look at our upper body and we want to have arms that are lean so they're not having that body fat or the, the I don't know, flabber, the jiggly arms, the tuck shot lady arms, I think is the stereotype that it's called. Or uh, even for guys who don't want to have the skinny arms or, or flabby arms. We're going to have lean arms and of course toned arms. So we have some muscle in those arms. We're going to talk about how we can build lean and toned arms. Now, if you are tuning in live, you can ask a question at any time. You can leave a comment down below. And if you are tuning in live and you're finding this video helpful and interesting, you can like the video or leave a comment letting me know that you're watching it just to help with the algorithm so that more folks can find this live video. Now we are in week four of the September Rise Method Challenge. It's an exciting time like always. We've just tipped over into that halfway, the second half phase of the Rise Method Challenge. Some folks have already completed the Rise Method Challenge where the challenge was to earn 500 points inside the app. You earn points by completing tasks like doing a workout or meeting your nutritional goals. So each workout is five points and each meeting of your nutritional goals is 10 points for the day. So the goal was to reach 500 points and some folks have already made it there. And if you completed the challenge, you've earned yourself 50 bucks. We'll send you 50 bucks once the challenge has concluded and there's still another three weeks to complete that challenge with uh, a, a bit of a broad playing field with folks in different areas of their challenge. Now, there are some folks that are getting anxious around finals that are coming up. I think it's this weekend, the AFL Grand Final, and then a few other Grand Finals that are soon to follow after that, where they are in positions where they might be celebrating their teams during the finals, or they have a social event where they are uh, celebrating finals and are anxious about alcohol, other foods, you know, chips, candies, lollies, pizza, that type of thing. And... We've had some conversations in the Rise Method app about some of these challenges, and I will say that, number one, it's okay that you come away from your plan. So if your plan was to have this much food and you're diverging from that plan slightly, it can be okay as long as you're tracking those foods. You might find that by having a candy or a piece of chocolate or an ice cream, it doesn't, quote, like blow out your calories, and you might find that it might be adding an extra 50 calories to your total daily intake, where if you were to overindulge one meal, you might find that you're not as hungry in the next meal, so you don't consume as many calories in the next meal, so the net caloric intake for the day isn't that bad. So be careful, don't beat yourself up or make it such an anxious event. Just track your food, so if you are choosing to eat foods, just track it in the app. You might find just the barrier of tracking in the app might mean, oh, well, I'm not going to just 
eat mindlessly, I'm going to, okay, I'm going to portion out maybe 100 grams of chips. Uh, here's 100 grams, and I'm going to track it in my app, and I'm going to enjoy the chips. Or I'm going to have a, a beer or a glass of wine, I'm going to track that in the app. You might find just the barrier of tracking it in the app kind of slows you down a little bit, makes you think twice about how much you're going to consume, and then at least you have some uh, mental cognition or connection to that food intake. So if you are going to uh, go to a party, yeah, <laughs> enjoy the party. If you are going to celebrate the, the finals, celebrate the finals. You know, you can... You can Enjoy those things. <laughs> um, it's not something that you need to avoid as long as you're just tracking your food intake. And the next day you can reflect on that and be like, okay, well, this particular day I've over consumed by 200, 300, 500 calories. Uh, maybe the next day I just reduce it slightly so that the next weekly caloric intake is within an average range. Yes, you might just reduce your calories the next couple of days just so you stay within the target. But I digress. So folks, we are going to be talking about how to build lean and toned arms. And I think it's two parts in that idea, the lean part and the toned part. So the lean part, of course, is about building uh, lean arms, meaning that we're reducing the body fat in the arms and then building toned arms where we are actually looking at the muscle mass inside the arms. So let's start with that lean portion, okay? So when we look at our arms, or we look at any part of our body, let's say our legs or our hips or your neck, I don't know, uh, we might be inclined that we say, I want to lose body fat in that area. And then you go down the path of, all right, I'm gonna to try to reduce this spot and we call it spot reduction. So I want to focus on this part of my body and I will try to lose body fat in that area. So I wanna improve that area. And there is ways that we can improve the area. We can improve the shape of the area and build muscle in the area. But if we are focusing on trying to reduce body fat in a specific area, it, it doesn't necessarily work in that way. So if you are trying to lose body fat in your arms, you can't just do uh, you know, arm exercises and hoping that you're going to lose body fat in that area. There is some science that suggests that you might lose very small percentages extra in your arms if you're focusing on your arms. So if you are losing body fat everywhere uh, by focusing on your arms, you're losing a very small amount of body fat in the arms, but it's, it's so small that it's almost negligible how small the body fat is that you're losing in your arms. So the first thing we need to appreciate is that spot reduction is a bit of a myth. We can't really target where we lose fat. Where we lose fat is primarily to do with genetics. Yeah, and it's a bit gendered, okay? So we tend to see uh, women, we lose body fat really quickly in places like our midsection, yeah? Um, and somewhat in our arms and somewhat in like our, our chest area. But we might fold on, hold on to body fat around our hips and thighs. And that's where we get this really stereotypical like hourglass shape, which we see in society. Again, very stereotype. You might not have that body and I'm sorry but that's the general trends that we find. In contrast, we find that most guys would hold body fat around their midsection and they might lose body fat really quickly in their arms and their legs, where you might get this really stereotypical uh, truck driver look, where you've kind of got this, this bit of a belly, but the arms could be lean, bit of muscle there, legs could be lean, maybe even some definition of muscle there, but still carry a bit of body fat around our midsection. So when we are losing body fat, when we are trying to target the area and have lean arms, we need to be in a position where we are, one, of course, losing weight, and we'll talk about that in a moment, but then two, appreciating that weight loss happens across our whole body and genetics dictates where we might be holding that body fat. 
So you might be in a position where genetically you might be lean across most of your body, but the arms are just holding a little bit of body fat and you might just need to be patient until the body fat starts to reduce in the arms. That's number one. Number two, to have lean arms, we need to follow a diet that encourages uh, a lean body or losing body fats. Okay. And to do that, we can follow almost any type of diet, right? It could be low fat, low carb, keto, pescatarian, vegetarian, Mediterranean, whatever you want to make up, as long as we are in a position where we are consuming fewer calories than we are expending. And we call it an energy deficit, where we are uh, consuming less energy than we're expending, okay? And what that does is if we are expending more energy than we're consuming, our body needs to metabolize or break down or eat uh, other parts of our body just so we can do life, so I can move my mouth and think about the words I'm going to say and move my hands and digest the food that I've eaten um, and then exercise, all these types of things. Now, that's easier, easier said than done. Uh, we can help you, of course, with the RISE method by prescribing calories and managing it strategically. Or you can just track the food that you're eating right now uh, and then track your body weight. And if your body weight is staying the same and the food that you're eating is staying roughly the same, you could say that you are maintaining your body weight with the food that you're eating. Then what you could do is just reduce the portion sizes of your food slightly. So, uh, you know, if you're listening to this, I'm doing a little circle shape with my hands and then I'm doing a smaller circle shape with my hands. So I'm consuming less food than I am previously eating, and then we're measuring that against the changes in our body weight. And if our body weight slowly starts to trend down, then we can continue eating those smaller portions of food until we reach a point where we're consistently losing body fat. Then if we reach a point where we're no longer losing body fat, we can just reduce our portion sizes slightly once again. So that will be a very simple way on how we can reduce the food that we're eating or the energy that we're consuming while trying to maintain our energy expenditure by you know, maintaining our steps that we do during the day, maintaining the exercise that we're doing, maintaining the intensity that we're doing those exercises, there'll be a simple way that we can ensure that we're getting lean arms. Next, with the composition of the food, we wanna be prioritizing protein in our diet. And what that means is protein uh, is important so that we can maintain the muscle that we have to make dieting easier, and then make sure that we are keeping full while we're dieting. So Rosen says, does it work the same way if you keep the food the same but exercise more? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, if for some of us, it's it's uh, easier to do one or the other. So if I was to look at two sides of the equation uh, and very simple ideas of food in versus food out or energy in versus energy out, sometimes we're consuming very small amounts of energy. So argument's sake, you know, 1,200 calories. And... If uh, if our scale point is is maybe here, and I'm doing two lines where our where energy in is the, the, my left hand this side uh, at this point, and my energy out is here, it might be easier to increase my step count or increase my work capacity rather than trying to reduce my food intake because 1,200 calories can be quite small, and reducing that even further might lead to really extreme hunger. Because you're like, geez, that's really hard, but on the other side, you might be doing 3,000 steps a day, and it might be really easy to get 4,000 steps. It's, it's, it's all about the low-hanging fruit, so it might be one or, or the other. So you could keep the food the same and just exercise more. And you know that's what we find in folks who you know have this wind of 
energy or motivation or inspiration to go to a gym. They go, oh, yes, I'm going to go to the gym. I don't know anything about nutrition in quotation marks. They go to a gym, they start exercising and they start losing weight. Great. Awesome. Or you might you know, hear a story of someone who was, let's say, a, a, a truck driver. And I've got a family member who's like this truck driver. And they, they left the business and they started their, their own business mowing lawns. Because they were mowing lawns, they were getting more steps up. So they didn't change anything about their diet. Right? They, didn't know it. they don't know anything about nutrition. They're eating um, pies for dinner and cupcakes and all the things. But the only change they made was their career where they're not sitting in a truck driving all day. They're now pushing a lawnmower and outside walking around doing gardening, being a, um, having a little garden business. So that change was enough to stimulate weight loss right? and improvements in health with no change in nutrition. So to answer the question, Rosalind, yeah, um, sometimes it's really easy to do one or the other. And it all depends on the data. Um, and you could choose to exercise more or reduce your food intake. But I digress. So we were talking about protein. We want to maintain a moderate protein intake. And on paper, we want it to be um, around 2 grams per kilo of body weight in protein intake. And remember that 100 grams of chicken doesn't equal 100 grams of protein. Um, 100 grams of chicken might be you know, 20, 25 grams of protein, depending on the part of the chicken it's in. Um, so just remember that the, the weight doesn't always equal the actual protein number. That number, two grams per kilo of body weight, is very spread out. It's a bit of a spectrum where we could be down as low as maybe 1.5 grams per kilo of body weight up to about three grams per kilo of body weight. So that math is hard. So sometimes it's just easy to pick two grams. Great, it's an easy calculation. I'm about 100 kilos, two grams, 200 grams, done. That's as much as thought I put into it my protein intake and I might choose a, a rough range. So as long as you're having a protein source with every meal, you're ticking goals. Ticking goals, ticking boxes and kicking goals. That's the one. Okay, so we've spoken about the lean portion where we can't really spot reduce. Maybe we see a little bit more fat loss in the areas where we're exercising and, um, and we need to be in an energy deficit so that we can lose body fat. Part of it is genetic, where we lose our body fat, and we want to maintain a protein intake when we're talking about dieting. Next, we need to talk about the toning portion of how to build lean and toned arms. So when it comes to toning muscle, the actual words to tone a muscle isn't really a thing. Okay, So when you see it marketed online, tone, toning stuff, that's not necessarily a thing. What tone is, is referring to a muscle's resting state or its resting activity. And we're talking about how the nerves, how active they are in the muscle. That is partly to do with how much you train that muscle. So as you build that muscle size and that muscle strength, the resting tone becomes higher. So for me, when I poke my muscles, there is a, a sense of hardness in the muscle because I exercise those muscles. Whereas someone who doesn't exercise, there is a sense of softness in that muscle. And I experienced this directly when I had my ACL reconstructed, where it was almost day and night where I had quads and I had like, you know, hard muscles in my legs. Then I got cut open and my ACL reconstructed. And then laying in this hospital bed, my, my quad was just non-existent. It was as soft as jelly. It was, it was, it was, actually quite incredible. And part of that was to do with the nerves going to that muscle because it was trauma in the area, the resting tone went down, 
and then very quickly losing muscle mass in that area. So again, this big jiggle of my leg, whereas my other leg was quite hard. Really interesting to see. So when we're trying to build toned arms, we need to focus on building muscle in the arms and increasing strength of the arms. Okay, and that's how we increase the toneness, the firmness of the muscle. So when we're building muscle, of course, we need to do exercises that build our upper body. And going back to genetics, we tend to see that guys are able to build the upper body quite easily. And that's partly to do with testosterone and things where we are able to develop, you know, biceps and triceps and shoulders in quite a large scale quite quickly. Whereas we find women really struggle to build that muscle, even if there is a similar volume application into that muscle group. So we need to be patient, women out there who want to build muscle in the upper body because it does take a little bit longer, whereas guys might find it a little bit easier to build muscle. So building muscle, of course, we need to do exercises to train the muscles. We're primarily focusing on elbow flexion to train the bicep, elbow extension to train the tricep, and trying to do those exercises in different shoulder positions. So elbow flexion with the shoulder in front of us, elbow extension with the shoulder in front of us with the arm in front of us, elbow flexion, bending the elbow with the arm behind us, and then elbow extension with the arm behind us. So we're training the muscles in the upper arm with the shoulder in different positions. And Rochelle says, boo, patience. Yeah, I know we all want quick wins. And we can see quick wins. Of course, we can see quick wins as we get into training. But for long-term development, some of us see those quicker wins quicker more frequently than others. And no, it doesn't suck to be, to be girls. Uh, you guys get other wins where you get really lean midsections very quickly and you develop more muscles around your hips and thighs much quicker than guys. Uh, and you've got a faster recovery rate than guys. And we see that in the in literature where women are able, able to have shorter rests and quicker bouts of training because they recover a little bit better than us. Uh, so you guys win, we win, we're, we're, just, we're just slightly different. And it's, of course, it's a spectrum where um, some girls might develop lots of upper body muscles very quickly, and you, you probably know women who are like this, and uh, some guys who are able to recover really quickly. So it's a bit of a spectrum on where we sit. It's not very binary. Um, and I'm not trying to be woke with, <laughs> with that answer. Um, all right, so when we're training our upper body, uh, what we want to bias and really focus on is, is or are exercises where we are putting the muscle in a stretch position or a lengthened position. So what we want to focus on, that's a little bit of a nerding out. So when we're doing things like bicep curls, we actually want to get the arm straight and almost pause in this lengthened position and really put a lot of tension, just like an elastic band. Because when you stretch that elastic band at the longest point, it's where you get the most tension in that elastic band. And that is actually how muscles primarily grow. When tension is placed on the muscle, we have receptors in the muscle. They go, hey, we, we need bigger muscles. There's lots of tension here. Uh, the tension can get to a point where it, it might snap. It doesn't, doesn't snap, but the brain goes, ah, oh, shit. And then it goes through the process of building more muscle to make it more adaptable to tension. So by stretching the muscle under significant load, it really activates and ramps up the muscle building process. And when we're talking about Rochelle using words like patience, if you want a shortcut to building muscle, focus on stretching the muscle under load. So that means a slow and long lengthening phase. So what I'm doing with my, my bicep here is I'm straightening my arm and stretching my bicep out straight. And I want it to be nice and slow and long. A pause at the bottom to feel that big tension at the bottom and then go through my contraction. I don't want to be bouncing off the elbow and what I'm 
demonstrating here is like, you know, if I straighten my arm and bounce off the connective tissues, we don't want to be doing those types of activities. Lengthen, pause, pause in that lengthen position, and then move into the contraction portion. Now you can apply that to almost every exercise. Um, there's some that you might not be able to because you can't actually get into a stretch position. Let's say a deadlift is very concentric focus. You know, you're just lifting on the floor. Uh, it's really hard to get that lowering and lengthening phase. But most exercises, you can focus on a big stretch of the muscle, a pause in that stretch position, and then pressing through with control. And by applying more tension, you build muscle quicker without being uh, patient as much. Okay. Additionally, to bicep and tricep exercises, bending and straightening the elbow, when we strengthen the muscles of the shoulder, and we could do that by just moving the arms, so lifting the arm to the side of the body, the front of the body, behind the body, strengthening through the shoulders. And an easy way to encompass all those things is to focus on broader movements like general pushing exercises and general pulling exercises. So, you know, things like a push-up, a bench press, or a pushing down in front of us, and pulling exercises like rows or pull-ups or lat pull-downs where we're pulling things towards us. These are really great because we strengthen the muscles through the chest, around the whole shoulder girdle, and through the bicep and tricep. And if you were to prioritize those exercises and focus on them early in your workout while you're, you've got energy and nutrients and things, and focusing on that really long lengthened portion, focusing on slowly adding more reps with each workout, slowly adding more weight across workouts, uh, and then maybe adding a few extra sets here and there if you can't progress the reps or the weight with that workout. So that is a super summary on how to build lean and toned arms. Part of it is a bit of patience because genetically you might find that your arms are the last place to lose body fat. Genetically, you might find that your arms are probably the first things that get toned and ripped and awesome, that is, that is amazing for you. But you might find other areas are harder to uh, get lean and that definition that you're looking for. So be patient. You're going to get there and it is all about prioritizing the, the big rocks where we're following a diet where we are focusing on weight loss and we're following a training program where we can strengthen those areas because we can either focus on spot reducing or focus on our weak points or oh, I don't like my arms, I don't like my legs, I don't like my hips or we could focus on enhancing those areas. They're just areas that we're trying to improve. And just that mindset shift of, hey, I'm focusing on my arms. It's arm season right now. It's what we're focusing on. You can see those significant improvements because that's where your energy and resources are going towards. And then you can keep a, a maintenance phase on other parts of your body. But I digress. So folks, if you are watching live and you have a question for me, similar to Rosalind's question about if it works the same way with um, keeping the food the same and increasing your physical activity or exercise, if you have a question around training, nutrition, fitness, health, or anything in between, I'd love to be able to give you an answer live now. I'm going to be on for the next 10 minutes or so, uh, so we can have conversations about almost anything. Similar to the start of this live video, if you didn't catch the start, we're talking about the finals that were coming up this weekend, you know, AFL, I think NRL is a week after, and a few other sporting events, maybe local events that are wrapping up. And you might be in positions where you are celebrating, where you might be in positions in front of alcohol and, and, and chips and chocolate or pizza, you know, your kryptonite, whatever it might be. And that might cause anxiety and worry, oh gosh, I'm gonna be at this event, there's gonna be a barbecue, what do I do? The easiest, answer is to enjoy yourself okay you're 
it's not wise to take or withdraw yourself from those social events. You need to be able to socialize. That's a very important human event and experience. When it comes to food, the best thing you could do is to simply track your food. And you could do that in the Rise Method app or on a bit of paper or something where you are tracking your food intake. And you might find that the net calories that you consume in the day after a event or a party where you might have, I don't know, a, a, a beer, you track that in the app, uh, an ice cream, you track that in the app, a slice of pizza, you track that in the app, the net calories that you consume on that day might be pretty on point. Uh, maybe, you know, 50, 100, 200, gram, 200 calories up or down, sure, okay. But you might find the net calories aren't that bad. So you might be worrying and building this up. You just track everything and you might find, hey, it's actually not that bad. I'm only 200 calories over. The next day, I might reduce my calories by 100. The next day, reduce by 100. Great, I'm on track again. Cool, no dramas, no need to worry about this. You might find the next day you have a little bit more energy because you've maybe consumed a little bit more water or fluids. You have a little bit more salt in your system, a little more carbs in your system. You have a really great workout the next day. Awesome, ticking boxes. You might find just recording your food intake is enough of a barrier just to slow you down from just eating without thinking. And that can happen. It's called disinhibition where you've been inhibiting yourself. Oh, no, 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 no. You have one bite. Oh, okay party time, we're going to eat and you just eat and you might find that you eat without thinking and that's where we face problems. So by recording something like breaking out your app, okay, I'm going to have 100, 100 grams of chips, I'm going to have a slice of pizza, I'm going to have a glass of wine, tracking in the app might be enough just to kind of slow you down and create that barrier of, okay, I've had enough, I've tracked in my app, I've enjoyed myself, this is great. Look, folks, I'll be on for the next about five minutes or so. I'd love to give you an answer if you have any questions for me around training, nutrition, the RISE method, fitness, health, or anything in between. We do have our uh, brand new app, which has been re released, and it's not really brand new. It's uh, similar to the app that we had, a little bit of an upgrade. We now have, it's called the Rise Method app rather than Fitness app. It's got our branding on it. We have some shortcuts in the front, um, a few other little backend type things. Um, so if you haven't already, go download the Rise Method app on the App Store or Google Play love for you to leave a review. <laughs> if you want to, if you want to try the app and you're not currently a member, you can join the Kickstart Challenge, which is seven day free challenge where you have access to everything. You get the training plans, the meal plans, um, the community, you get to chat with me. We have a two way chat. You send me videos or whatever you need to, to get you through the, the seven days. Um, and you also get access to the vault. The vault's really cool. It's all of our digital information and, and content. We've got eBooks, we've got meal plans, we've got recipe books, we've got courses. You have access to all of that, um, for free. <laughs> uh, so you can find the link in this Facebook group here, probably in your emails as well. If you are part of our newsletter, um, and we'll see you on the app. It's really cool. Once you get to the end of the seven days, we will be offering you um, a really cool uh, offer <laughs> to come and, and, and join us. You can only get it inside the app, so you can't get it outside. And if you're currently a Rise Method member doing the Rise Challenge, September Challenge, you also get access to this offer as well when you finish the September Challenge. Um, it might be a subscription. It might not be. You'll find out <laughs> in seven days. Look, folks, um, I'd love to give you an answer. Casey Lucy, hi, I missed part of your live videos wondering where I was walking the dog. Question, centimeters are not really moving and I'm eating uh, within calorie intake. Why is it not coming off? 
Okay, yeah, good question. Um, so firstly, we need to uh, un uh, make sure that how we're tracking our data is correct. So we need to, and I'm going to assume that your calories are consistent every day. So argument's sake, Casey, okay, I'm not sure what your calories are in the app off the top of my head, but say it was 1600 calories. We need to make the assumption that we are having 1600 calories consistently. That's number one. Number two, we want to ensure that we are having a consistent energy expenditure and we can measure that with our step count. So are our steps consistently? And they are, you know, going for a walk with your dog, you are probably maintaining that, great, okay. Next, we need to assume that our training is providing a stimulus for muscle growth. So if you are training where most of your sessions are, you know, an RPE, a rate of perceived exertion around that, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, awesome, great, ticking all the boxes. So let's make all those assumptions tick. Next, we need to look at how we're measuring our progress. So the gold standard of the easiest, or not the gold standard, the easiest way, maybe the silver standard, to measure our uh, progress in terms of weight loss is to measure our body weight. And that's the easiest way to measure our weight loss is through our body weight. We stand on the scales, is our body weight up or down? We measure our body weight frequently, daily, and then we work out the weekly average, okay? And that's to rule out all those fluctuations that we see with our body weight, where our body weight can go up because we drink some water, body weight goes down because we go to the toilet, body weight goes up because we eat some food, body weight goes down, we go, eat it, go to the toilet, those types of things. Once we work out the weekly average, then we want to compare the weekly average from week to week. Now, Casey, you might be in a position because you're saying now weight's not moving either, and I would challenge that a little bit when you say weight's not moving because if your body weight was staying absolutely um, where it is all the time, uh, that's really hard. Like for me, um, as I track my body weight, it doesn't really stay at, you know, 100 kilos on the dot consistently. You know, there's weeks where I go up, I go down, I go up and then trend down, those types of things. So your body weight might be moving slightly up and down if you were measuring on a weekly average, but that's not the point of this conversation. So you... If we look at the RISE method, R-I-S-E, uh, reevaluate. What was your goal? Your goal was to lose body weight, lose body fat. Great, tick. Next, we implemented a strategy. So we are prescribing calories. We are prescribing a meal plan. Uh, we are prescribing a training plan. We're pre prescribing steps. Great, we've implemented a strategy. Next, we need to sustain that, st that strategy. And you're doing that. You've done it for the last three weeks into four weeks. Now we're at a point where we go, okay, is the strategy effective? Where, if I was to make two really simple ideas, our energy intake, energy expenditure, are we sitting here where they're almost equal? Are you in a position where they might've started here, but you slowly adapted to here? And that might be that you are less energetic, you're not uh, training as, as hard as you were before, maybe you're sneaking some food, in. it doesn't matter. So you might be at a point where we're here. So now we need to kick it up where we go, okay, can you increase your step count? Let's say a thousand steps a day or 2000 steps, another walk of the dog in the morning, or can you uh, decrease your food intake by 100, 200 calories? So we're doing this and keeping that. And we test that for another week or two. And is that moving in the right direction? No, let's try to do something. Yeah. And we continue that process in a systematic way. When we're measuring centimeters, centimeters is a really hard metric to actually get something measurable. So if I was to measure my arm, 
right? And I haven't actually measured my arm in a long time. It shows how much I am interested in that. So if I was to measure my arm and I measure it, firstly, I might measure it incorrectly. I might measure it here first, then I might measure it there, then I might measure it there, then I might measure it there. So there's problems with how we actually measure it. Then the changes that I might see in my arm might be really small, where if it was, let's say, 20 centimeters in diameter, if I was to lose 1% of my arm girth, that 1% might be, you know, 02 of a centimeter or like, you know, a, mil a couple of millimeters. So that might be literally this. I might not actually see that on the on the, the measuring tape, those millimeters, because it might not even be there. So it might be really hard to measure that. And if I measure it on specific days where I have a pump that day, if I train my arms, my arms are actually bigger because I've got engorgement in my, my arms from blood and other things, then I can change the centimeter reading. So measuring centimeters around, let's say the arms, hard. Legs, hard. Midsection, hard. So week to week changes might not show around the girth. It might be more long-term. Or the changes you see is simply an error. Like you just sucked in or squeezed the, the tape measure a little bit tighter. So best way is to measure body weight. Best way is to work out the weekly average. And the best way is to compare weekly averages from week to week. And we want to be seeing a change of about 0.5 to 1% of our body weight from week to week. If it's not in that range of 0.5 to 1% from week to week, then we need to redress the energy in versus the energy out and either decrease the energy intake or increase the steps count, which one is easier. And similar to Roslyn's question earlier, sometimes it's easier to decrease our food intake. So if you're having 3,000 calories a day, okay, it's pretty easy just to drop 200 calories there. Versus if you're consuming 1,200 calories and you're only doing 3,000 steps a day, it might be easier to get 4,000 steps or 5,000 steps because that's just another walk around the block that you might be able to do. And that is how we can strategically and sustainably lose body weight in a logical way. We're not just making things up and throwing things at the wall, hoping it fits. That's how we can be sustainable. RISE and an E is we evolve, where we might be at a stage where we've sustained our strategy and now it's time to evolve it and readdress it and maybe modify it slightly we might reassess this time and cycle through. Rise method. All right, folks, I hope you enjoyed this live video. Uh, I'll catch you next week for another one. We are turning these live videos into a podcast. So if you are tuning in just at the end or you missed out or someone else wants to listen to it and they, oh, I missed out, you can listen to it as a podcast. And of course, if you're watching a repeat and you have a question, you can always leave a comment down below. I'll be able to get that notification and send you a message. I'd love to see you in the Rise Method app. Uh, Casey, if you want to continue this conversation, you can message me on the app and we can go through it um, again if you have any other further questions. And yeah, I'll see you guys next week. See you guys.